we'll mention it. Mention it all. Mention it all. Hello, happy Sunday. Welcome to a brand new episode of Mention It All. I have so much Bravo stuff to talk about today that I'm not even going to talk about Survivor. Um, I mean, we have a new season of Potomac coming up and I have been doing the heavy lifting for everyone and re-watching previous seasons of Potomac in preparation. Now, a lot of you might not be into Potomac, when I first started dating my partner almost three years ago, Potomac's first season had just happened and the second season was happening. And I remember he was like, oh, like, what's this Housewives of Potomac? Are you going to watch it? Because by this time he was like fully inundated with everything Bravo that I absorb all the time. And I was like, mm, I don't know. I watched the first season. It was sort of neither here nor there. I don't know how I feel. Like, it just seems like one of those things that Bravo is trying to make happen and they should stop trying to make it happen. And he was like, you know what? I have a really good feeling that by season three, Potomac is going to take off. And season three of Potomac, everyone's going to love and everyone's going to forget about those first two seasons. And it's going to be a huge hit and people are going to be watching it. I laughed my ass off. I thought this was absolutely crazy turned out to be true. Season three of Potomac, which was last season, was, I mean, uh, unparalleled is the only word for it that I can find. If you have been holding off on Potomac and you want to dip your toe in and you really want to get like the vibe and understand what it's all about, I would recommend starting with season three, episode two, which is when the Grand Dame Karen Huger decides to throw a press conference with no press. And she refers to it. She calls to invite the ladies and she says, Oh, I want you to come to that. I'm having this press conference. And they're like a press conference. And she's like, Oh, well, you know, it's a meeting. It's a gathering, whatever you want to call it, a press conference, if you will. And, uh, all the ladies show up. And the best part of the press conference is that Karen has this random white guy there who's her friend, Matt. And he's like pretty young looking. And like at one point in the press conference, he tries to say something and she like yells at him. <laughs> but um, he also shows up again later in the season and they sort of try to make a storyline out of that. But like he is one of my favorite side characters ever because when the ladies ask, they're like, oh, who is this person who's here at this like press conference with no press? Then Karen Huger is like, he's part of my management team, which is so vague and definitely not true. And then they're like, oh, interesting. Like you guys are friends. And they're like, yeah, we're friends. So it's like, okay, is he part of your management team? Is he your friend? Is he both? And then they're like, okay, how long have you known each other? Now, Matt, who looks to be about my age, I'm 31 years old. I mean, he could even be a little bit younger than me. <laughs> Responds without flinching. He says, 13 years. <laughs> oh my God. And it just kills me. I feel like there's a point later in the season where he's like, we've known each other for 15 years. And I'm like, how would you know this weird old lady for 13 years? Like none of this makes sense. Did you meet her when you were like a junior in high school? Like I'm so perplexed, but this 
this is the beauty of Karen Huger and of Potomac in general, because, I mean, we have a scene later in season three where Karen Huger, one of the one of the main plot lines of season three of Potomac is that no one believes that Karen Huger, whose husband is having some tax issues, owes like $4 million in back taxes or something like that. Um, no one believes that they have the money that they're claiming to have. And she's saying, you know, she's not broke and like that they have separate accounts because she'd been married before. Everything seems a little sketchy, but they had lived in a house in Potomac and then they bought or they were renting a home in Great Falls. Now the girls did not believe that they were actually living in this house in Great Falls. And at one point in season three, a couple of them um, come in the middle of the night basically to try to fake deliver a pizza to Karen's alleged house in Great Falls. Now, after all these shenanigans, Karen films a scene and it's just like her talking in interview, you know, like sort of like voiceover about what she has and people shouldn't doubt it. And, you know, just vagaries. And all we see is Karen simply setting a table in the alleged Great Falls house, quote unquote, uh, just setting a table. We don't know what she's setting the table for. She's not preparing a meal. There's not a dinner party that's going to follow. And that simple moment to me had greater entertainment value than whole seasons of other Housewives series. I mean, she gave us more in that single moment than most Housewives will give us in a lifetime because it left us with so many questions. Like, you know, like, but the main, the answer that she's giving us is really just, I'm setting this table because I'm telling you that this is my house and you set your own table in your own house. Certainly don't throw events there or invite people over or do anything else that make the house look remotely lived in, but we set the table. And, uh, that was profound and I appreciated, loved and respect that. Now, this coming season on Potomac, and I just rewatched the trailer, looks incredible because we've got young Ashley, who is a former Miss America contestant or something. And she, just to refresh your memory or to let y'all know who haven't been watching Potomac, Ashley is married to this like 50 something year old, maybe 60 even. He looks old. Um, guy, Australian guy named Michael. And he's really wealthy from what I understand. I think he made his money in real estate and they're married, but they've had a lot of problems in their marriage. They opened this Australian themed restaurant called Oz together. And like that caused stress in their marriage because we all know the restaurant business is very stressful, very difficult, but also it just sort of seemed like neither of them really knew about the restaurant business before they got involved with this restaurant, which is never smart you know, like rich people always think like, oh, let's open a restaurant. We love to eat. We love to go out. And it's like, you probably don't know the first thing about running a restaurant and you're going to waste and blow a lot of money. But they opened this restaurant Oz together and they've been having problems in their marriage too, because Ashley has been very generous with her mother financially. And the mother it's a very dark situation. It seems like the mother has been in sort of a semi-abusive relationship for many years and she sort of can't quit it and the guy doesn't work. And so Ashley is like, why am I supporting this guy who's living off of you? And Michael, 
seems infuriated, you know, as we all know, white people don't really understand family, like, <laughs> and he's the perfect example. But at the same time, I do understand it's difficult where you're like, okay, well, I don't want my wife to be being taken advantage of by her mother. And it sort of seems like that is the case. So they, at the beginning of season three, they had been separated for six months and they reconciled. Now, right after this season aired, we received word in the news that shooting had shut down because a cameraman or someone on the crew made an allegation that Michael had sexually assaulted him and like grabbed his ass and said like sexually lewd things to him or something. Now we were told that they shut down production, but in the trailer for season four, we're seeing them discussing this. Now I love this because Ashley loves to be the one to go after the grand dame, Karen Huger, and say Karen Huger doesn't tell us anything real about her life. Meanwhile, as Karen Huger said in the press conference last year, Michael has been, you know, waving his dingaling all over Instagram because there was a video that came out even before these allegations about uh, assaulting the camera guy that Michael was sending, um, you know, like dick pics and videos of him like jerking off to men in London um, on the internet or through Instagram direct message or something like that. So we, there've already been these types of allegations that Michael is gay or bisexual and closeted. And I mean, you know, also cheating on his wife, um, or I don't know, maybe they have an open relationship, but they're not saying it. This is discussed in the trailer. Now, Ashley, how dare you stand in judgment of the grand dame when you have these types of skeletons in your closet? And I am so excited for these ladies to call it out. Um, it seems like they're not letting her get away with anything. She's trying to deny it, saying nothing ever happened. They're like, that's a lie. I can't wait to see it all unfold. One more quick note about Potomac before I move on to, you know, brighter, greener pastures of shows that are already on the air right now. Katie Rost, I believe her last name is pronounced. She was on season one of Potomac. She will be back this season. Um, now there's a lot of darkness surrounding Katie. Uh, she, first of all, is a stunning girl. Um, but apparently, her ex-husband is an abusive monster who has kept her children from her. And also when they were married, he was a doctor and he would like basically like got her addicted to drugs so he could like try to control her. And then like also basically say like she's unstable and she's addicted to drugs, but it seems like he was in charge of all of it. She seems extraordinarily mentally unstable, just like her fit her Instagram presence and the things that she's saying online. But I, I feel that her abuse claims are true and I really feel for her. And I have a huge crush on her. She's like my number one housewife. Like I don't really find any of the housewives attractive. Katie Ross is stunning. She's perfect. And she is like a former model, but she also just has this vibe like this. I don't know. There's something about a semi vulnerable, super hot woman that just really does it for me. So I'm really excited to have her back on my TV screen because I'm, I have feelings for her. <laughs> uh, okay. So I'm going to take a quick break. Thank you for listening to me uh, ramble on about Potomac. If you guys have any thoughts, questions, feelings about Potomac, 
um, just let them rip. Let me know if you're going to join in and watch this season. Let me know if you want me to cover it because, you know, if I'm the only one watching, truly would be unfortunate because it is that good of a show and it's developing into a great show. But if I am the only one watching it, I don't want to continue wasting your valuable listening time on it. Um, so I'm going to have an ad for you. And when I come back, uh, we're going to go over some housewife stuff. Okay. Guys. Wow. 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 Welcome back. Thank you for listening to the ad. And, um, if you want to support this podcast, you can click on the little button on anchor that says support this podcast and you can donate whatever you wish. Um, but you also earn me money every time you listen to one of these episodes and, uh, thank you for that. Atlanta. I have held off about talking about Atlanta and now I just want to let it all rip. Wow. This episode was insane. I expected to get a lot from Miss Kenya Moore. I didn't get that much. You know, she showed up. She was gorgeous. She was wearing like a super fitted dress on her pregnant belly, which I actually am into. I think she looked incredible. Nini was basically ignoring her, avoiding her, saying all kinds of rude things about her body. It's like, Nini, I don't know. I, I, I don't love insulting people's bodies, period. That's just not something I'm comfortable with. Um, you know, I, I don't, I just feel uncomfortable with it. But on top of that, to insult women's bodies when they're literally pregnant is just stupid. Like, like you're like, oh, like nice body. Like you look amazing. Like sarcastically, it's like she's fucking pregnant and she does look amazing. It's like you can't, it's not like she's fat. Like, and even if she was Lanethia Monique Leaks, like that is a bridge too far. Nini also took it way too far this week and um Portia, I believe, published some of their text message conversation following this episode. And I'm actually going to take the time to read it all to you. Okay, the following is a conversation between Nini and Portia. I will distinguish who's talking, Nini or Portia. We begin with Nini. You lying ass, big, fat, hungry bitch. You know, I never put my hands on you. Marlo, Cynthia, nor Candy can ever say that. You want an excuse for going in my closet without permission so you can talk your fake shit on IG all you want. But remember, my house is lit with cameras. Oh, and don't forget who was by your side and saved your whack ass when you pulled Kenya off that sofa. Don't forget nobody fucked with you in San Fran or in Spain but me. If you got something to say, say the truth, because if I put my hands on you, you will know it. 100 emoji. Oh, and remember you had your hair flipped over your thin bald spot? I have hair, but if I don't, I have enough money to buy all the wigs and extensions I want. Portia replies, I'm not reading all that bullshit. You know damn well I am recorded that I'm no studio to set you up. Okay, Portia. Kiss my ass. How dare you make that claim? I would not conspire no shit like that. I'm not reading all that bullshit. Oh, she, she fixed it. You know damn well I ain't recorded that in no studio to set you up. Kiss my ass. How dare you make that claim? I would not compare no shit like that. That one better. Your lying ass made me type too fast. Nini replies, you so full of shit. Go enjoy your one-time three-episode commercial. Portia replies, ha, you enjoy it too. Smooch emoji. Nini replies, I had 12 episodes and trust, I won't watch not one of yours. Too busy securing the bags. 
<laughs> Portia replies with like a wacky eyed tongue out emoji. <laughs> Nini responds, and you know you recorded that, but that's okay. Yours is coming. Portia replies, no, I did not. You are sick to believe that, but I don't really give a damn. Bye, girl. Nini says, you did, but it's okay. Oh, your day is coming just like it has in the past. I'm a lot of things, but what I don't do is fuck over people and lie for no reason. That's the makeup you wear. Just remember, I'm the HBIC that you want to be. Bye, bitch. Portia replies, I'm happy and blessed. Good night, edges. Smooch face. Nini replies, good night, big piggy with the busted shape, crying, laughing emoji. Portia replies, girl, I know you and them granddaddy long legs and box body not coming for my body. That made my night. Crying, laughing, crying, laughing, heart. <laughs> the end. <laughs> so, man, these Atlanta girls, like, they're even giving us the most off camera. Like, I was more entertained by that than most things I viewed this week. But Nini just keeps going for people's bodies. And I do think Portia's right with that box body. She should not be doing that. But it is what it is. Now, the realty of this finale episode of Atlanta was the audio. So what happened was, you know, there's this whole event. Nini comes off badly with her reaction to Kenya and I'm not defending Nini in this situation. I think she's responsible for her own actions. But after this event, we see like a black screen. Now, I always get excited when they do that. Like the last time they did that, it was for Luann's arrest. So I love when I see that. And then we see like audio and like there's like the little, you know, sort of sound thing fluctuating, the sound wave. And... It starts with Candy saying, I miked, I miked, I miked, like several times. She's saying, I miked. And then she says, I just want to make sure we was on the same page setting up how Kenya got here. Who? That was Cynthia who said that. So clearly Candy and Cynthia, because Candy was the one who brought Kenya there, quote unquote. Cynthia was pretending like she was surprised, but it was clear that Cynthia knew that Kenya was coming and it was clear it was some kind of plan to, uh, you know, get under Nini's skin and it worked. But I love that the producers share that audio with us because it really showed us sort of how low down and dirty Cynthia has become because I really didn't, I expect that kind of thing from Candy with her mean mug all the time, just like scowling at people, being rude, thinking she's better than everyone else. But Miss Cynthia Bailey tries to front like she's a good person. And that is some bullshit. I was, I was gagged. I was like, honestly screaming when they showed this. And then the girls all have a meeting after that. It's like Tanya, Cynthia, Candy, and Nini. And Nini's like, I feel really hurt. And Cynthia is like pretending like she had no idea about anything the whole time. Now, I know that the drama is going to come in the reunion and I can't wait to see it. However, you know, I, I, I do think I get the impression that Nini wants out, that Nini wants to be fired because I have heard tell that Nini's involved in a couple of different pilots that actually do sound like 
um, very interesting comedy series. Like she's working with comedians and writers that I really respect. So I am aware that there is a clause in her contract that if she basically, if she wants to be in a show in another network, she has to be fired from Bravo. Like she can't be on Bravo and on another network at the same time with this new contract that she has. Why you've traveled when Greg is sick. If I didn't travel, Greg wouldn't be eating. You in fact had a microphone on. Are you really awkward? They don't just talk about your house and call you a friend. I know she ain't been ready for it. Tell me something about gold digging or shopping, then I'll listen. I said we were not filming in my closet. What about putting your hands on people? Well, what do you want me to say? If somebody tell you they were not terrified, they are lying. Did something happen with your belt? Me and Marla jumped up saying, get off of her. That's a lie. Don't call me a liar. I was being a ride or die friend. I didn't know that Kenny was coming. The fact that you was giving fake to all of us, we are not friends. Y'all want to fire at me on this coin, I know I'm the one. So those last words there, if y'all want to fire me on this one, I know I'm the one. Why would you even throw out the words fire me unless you're like kind of trying to get fired? You know what I'm saying? Just felt a little iffy to me. Like I would not be surprised at all if Nini was not back the next season and if she was fine with it. Guys, that's all I have for Atlanta. Um, We'll see after the reunion if I feel like I want to sort of keep going with that or if I'm just going to let it lay. And I mean, this audio for me saved the whole entire season. It's funny how that can happen. <laughs> like you can be like, okay, I'm bored and bored and bored for like whatever, 16, 18 episodes. And then suddenly a short audio clip and simply the words from Candy Burris, I'm miked, I'm miked, I'm miked can, can change the entire game. I'm going to take a quick little break when I'm back. Uh, we'll be talking more housewives. Goodbye, Kyle. Goodbye, Kyle. Wow, 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 wow. We've been waiting for that through all the the panty gates and the dog gates and the Munchausen and the you need to be honest because that's not cool of it all. We've been waiting for this moment. <laughs> the moment I was really waiting for was when at the very end of the scene, as Kyle is finally leaving Lisa Vanderpump's mall, which is how I think of Villa Rosa. Like, have we thought about how Villa Rosa looks like literally everything but a house? Like, <laughs> it's just like so tacky. Who would want to live there? 
Um, but as she's exiting and I saw someone online be like, I, I legitimately thought Kyle was being ushered out of a Zara. <laughs> and that made me laugh. And the door is closing. And as the door is closing, one of, uh, Lisa and Ken's dogs, like, toddles up to the door like as if it's about to make a break for it it's like this is my chance i can leave with kyle richards it can be goodbye to me too i'll be free if the the swans don't get me first that's what the dog was thinking and then the door closes just at the last moment with its little nose pressed up against the glass doors of villa rosa wow what do we think everybody I'm uh, I'm just happy to see it all go down. Here's my thing about LVP is and like, I'm not even sure that LVP did leak this story. I mean, maybe she did, but it's possible that, you know, someone else was just a step ahead of ahead of her. Like, I believe Dorit would have leaked it uh, just for publicity, potentially. I mean, there are signs that point to LVP having leaked it. I fully believe that she would. But whether she did or not, you know, we all know, despite her best intentions to keep us in the dark, that she has previously done this kind of thing and laid the plans for other people to drop stories. You know, Lisa Rinna tells us in this episode that LVP basically taught her how to do that with the whole Munchausen thing. So I also believe Lisa Rinna could be our culprit in terms of leaking it. However... Lisa Vanderpump insults the intelligence of everyone in, in the audience and her, you know, fellow cast members and production included by basically not copying to this sort of history. Like, okay, if you're innocent, I've been falsely accused of something in boarding school. I feel like in boarding school, I was sort of like a bad, I was like a bad kid. And um, I was often like getting in trouble for things like other people got away with murder, but like, it, it was just like, if I did step one toe out of line, I was, I was, uh, marked. <laughs> um, so I was constantly getting blamed for shit. I didn't do. Sometimes there were things I did do and I denied. And, you know, I guess that was my karma to a certain extent coming back to get me. Um, I got away with a lot of things, but I also didn't get away with a lot of things. And when you've been falsely accused of something, like, you're like, you're like, oh my God, this is crazy. And like, you're like, look, I 100% see how people could be thinking that, but like, that is not the case. And like, I need your help to figure out like, who would make this up about me? Cause like, this is crazy. And I feel insane. You know, like you're not angry at the person for bringing it up and swearing on your children's lives and denying things up and down and getting furious and pointing your finger in their face and saying like it's this insults my integrity because we all know that you don't really have like the most integrity or at, at the very least you know that we know that your integrity has been questioned at times and if you're that type of per i don't know it just shows a real lack of self-awareness and this thing that Lisa Vanderbump does where it's like she thinks she can get one over on all of us. The Ken issue, I mean, we all know where I stand on that. I just don't think you ever talk to anyone like that, pointing your finger in someone's face. Props to Kyle, because I think Kyle remained really calm the whole time, like until Ken started like really screaming at her. And then she was like, is this really happening? It's like the one time she's ever implied 
or said like, you know, maybe you could have done something like this or people are saying that you've done something like this and it makes you look bad and it's making me look bad and putting me in a bad position. And I mean, she has brought this up before on the junk boat in Hong Kong. There was like sort of a conversation about this regarding the Munchausen's, I believe, where Kyle was like, this is putting me in a really bad position. And you see her being like, I don't want to have to like blow up your spot right now, bitch. But like you're hanging me out to dry. And, you know, I don't think she was necessarily being a friend. I think she's just fed up with it all, which I can completely understand. Um, I do think Kyle, I don't know if, if Kyle has orchestrated all of this, then she, I, she gives, deserves more credit than I give her. I still don't like her and I still think she's like disloyal and a terrible sister and I'm not here for it, but that being said, I mean, I believe if she if she's if she's the puppet master, then she deserves to be the queen. I don't know if it's actually just the other girls like anointing her that because no one wants to take responsibility for this takedown. Like Erica, Lisa, Rinna, like maybe they're secretly running the show. We all know Teddy is a pawn. Oh, Teddy Joe. Did you know that Teddy Joe Mellencamp? I think she said this on the show was going to be named Baby Doll Mellencamp. And Baby Doll Mellencamp is really pulling out all the stops. Um you know, she's like live tweeting with her dad about the show. It's just like, next thing you know, she's going to have Meg Ryan on Watch What Happens Live with her in the audience, having Andy creaming his pants because he loves celebrities. You know, I think she's just, the, that's all she's got. So that's what she's giving. Much as I respected her honesty, I mean, <laughs> her 100% honesty, she's never told a lie in her life. Did you know that about Baby Doll Mellencamp? She is literally George Washington. She's never told a lie. Um, you know, aside from her confronting Lisa. And it is refreshing to see everyone confronting Lisa. Like, it's refreshing to hear Kyle say the words, like, maybe you care more about your image than about your friendships sometimes. And, you know, we know that's a fact. That was the conversation that was meant to be happening at that tea when Camille Grammer confronted Taylor about the abuse. Back. You have to be honest. You need to be honest. That's not cool. That moment. Well, and it, 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 at the start of the conversation, it seemed like Taylor went in there thinking there was an alternate plan. The whole thing really reminds me of Survivor because it's like these different alliances having these secret plans and you don't know what's going to come out. Um, on Beverly Hills because no one's really upfront about their feelings. So it's like that time Taylor thought the conversation was going to be about how Lisa Vanderpump was self-obsessed and had a picture of her and Jiggy as like her background on her iPad or whatever. I don't know what it was, something like that. But the conversation Taylor thought they were going to have was about how they all secretly thought that Lisa Vanderpump was way too high of her own supply. And then Lisa Vanderpump circumvented that conversation using Camille to confront Taylor about not talking about the abuse. So where do we go from here? I mean, I know I've heard tell that LVP does not really film with the ladies after this. And, and here's my thing. You know, I've been thinking a lot about anchors of the show. So like in particular, I've been comparing like an LVP to Bethany to Nini and I think Bethany really does the best job of the three in 
in doing her job as a producer and, and as someone who creates storylines, makes things happen, pushes the drama along, gives us entertainment. You know, I think LVP has constructed energy on Beverly Hills because she has been this dominant figure that operates in these sort of like secrecy lies. And, and that's its own kind of drama. You know, it's its own kind of thing where it's like nobody knows the truth and it's very like Pretty Little Liars or Dynasty or, you know, that sort of tradition of of soapy goodness. So it's less of like straight comedy than what we're getting a lot on, on New York or Atlanta. But what LVP does is she sort of gets in the way of storylines progressing by trying to overconstruct. So it was like in the situation, rather than allowing the storyline about the dog to progress, that wasn't when she wanted it to progress when the girls were away in uh, Bahamar. And instead she brought up this ridiculous thing about Erica and the sympathy note, you know? So it's like, she's always getting in the way of drama by trying to create another kind of drama that is really just fiction. She's always um, overproducing things in a means to reinforce her own narcissism and her own position on the show. Bethany sort of like t- throws it all up into God's hands. I mean, she's smart enough to rock with the waves, but she is surfing. LVP is like trying to drive a boat through it. And that's why when things are not going her way, she just cuts and runs, kicks Kyle out of her house. Goodbye, Kyle. And now I guess it's not going to be filming the rest of the season or will infrequently be on filming like her own stuff or like I heard she occasionally filmed with Denise. So this is just kind of like, I don't understand why people are backing her up so hard because it's like, okay, she's about to just like, give up because things weren't going her way and like rob us of this like continuing tension and potential resolution that we live for on these shows. You know, it's like, she just was like, no. And I think Nini has kind of been doing something similar where I think she's just been disruptive in a way when things aren't going her way to the course of the drama. And it's just, if you're going to be the anchor of the show, you have to, be an active participant, be willing to roll with the punches. You know, last season they tried to take down Bethany and she was the one who returned leading the pack. Will LVP return after being thrown to the wolves leading the pack? As she said in her tagline several seasons ago, I'm not so sure about that remains to be seen. (sighs) The remains of a day. Okay, guys. I'm going to take a little breather. I'm going to come back with some more for you. It's just been a chock full week. Thanks for hanging in there. I hope you're enjoying it. I'm back. And uh, I'm just going to close with like a quick roundup of the a few things from Vanderpump and New York uh, this week. But I'm going to give you lengthier recaps of Vanderpump and New York because they're on trips. So there's Mexico for Vanderpump and... Uh, New York, they're, they headed to the Berkshires in the second half of this episode. So I, I watched all of everyone's Instagram stories from the Real Housewives of New York when they were on this Berkshires trip, the Halloween trip, and <laughs> things got wild. I can only hope that we get like half of what we got in those Instagram stories. I mean, there was the naked chef. The ladies were 
wasted. It seems they were like having a weird dance party. It reminded me of like when you're underage and this is very Berkshire's. I don't know, but like when you're underage, you can't go out. And so like you and somebody with a fake ID or like someone's older brother or friend or whatever gets you as alcohol. And then you're just like in someone's house, like so drunk, like lights out, like with like a disco ball, someone found in a closet and like, you're listening to like, you know, like one, two step and like, Hey, or yeah, by Usher. What's Hey, Hey, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's another one you might be listening to. I don't know. And you're putting on like, you're putting on like Khalees Nas blindfold me in like a darkened room and just like dancing your ass off. So you're listening to that. I mean, if the Housewives of New York weren't listening to that, then they should have been. That was their vibe. That was their energy. They were like literally laying on pool tables in the splits. Like, I mean, I don't even know what was happening. It was hilarious. It was some of the best entertainment of last year, of 2018. It was a high point for me. So I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what they got, what the Bravo cameras got, and if they got any of that footage, or if that was just like After Dark style. It seemed that way, but I'd, I'd love to see more. Um, what we did get this week on New York was Bethany meeting with a grief counselor who is not Dr. Amador, who once got Bethany and Jason lost at sea. Now, we did get an update from Bethany's Twitter about Dr. Amador. He is apparently in Pennsylvania with his three adopted children, and that's why he doesn't get to New York much. This is her uh, take on it. So she lets us know uh, that that's where Dr. Amador is at. Good for you, Dr. Amador. They go to Tinsley's dog event. So Tinsley says, like, this is how she's going to get back into, like, being a socialite. And that's what makes her happy. And go with God, Tins. Um, and then they go on Deborah Wasser's boat. Now, I don't know if they were trying Deborah Wasser as a housewife. I don't think that they were. I don't know. Because I've heard of her. She's kind of like a legitimate socialite. Um, and I did do a little recon for you guys, just like on her and her husband. Her husband works in an investment, so does she, I believe. And I did find this hilarious uh, news story about the husband's son. I don't know if it's her son as well, if she's second or third wife or whatever, but the, her stepson at the very least. The headline reads, Son of Manhattan developer drives Mercedes into supermodel's house. <laughs> The 21-year-old son of Greg Wasser, owner of commercial developers GNS Investors, crashed a 2006 Mercedes-Benz into a watermill home late Saturday night, according to the East Hampton Star. The wreck ignited a blaze that firefighters battled for three hours. The Hayground Roadhouse belonged to model Sasha Pivovarova, best known as the longest-appearing fashion model for Prada, who lives with her husband and artist and their four-year-old. There were no serious injuries. Sergeant Stephen Miller um, 
told the paper that he thought the driver, college student Alec Wasser, appeared to be drunk. It sounded like a bomb exploded. <laughs> so um, that's her son, but she was a beautifully kept, perfectly kept woman. Her boat was impeccable. The lunch looked great. Lots of fish there. Lots of Bravo lingering on the fish, letting us know that, you know, it's like a, it's their version of foreshadowing Bethany's brush with death. I should not laugh, but, um, you know, we all know that the, the fish thing is a little bit of a mystery. There has been fish around. It's possible that her allergy got more serious. I don't know. It remains to be seen. Now, Vanderpump Rules, honestly, all I can remember from this episode is like Bo crying and <laughs> Kristen Doty, like like a, a newborn calf, just, you know, like tumbling over in the ocean multiple times, <laughs> could not stand up straight. I mean, the poor thing. She's just so long. Oh, I mean, Stassi and Bo, I hope those crazy kids work it out. I do think they have a sweet relationship. I think that this was like more of a normal couple fight than we're used to seeing on the show. I think Stassi has a lot of fear from her previous relationships and she's really going to have to learn to heal from them. I understand that's something I deal with. I think a lot of people struggle with like, you know, when you're carrying your baggage in and it's just very difficult to trust someone, even if they've only shown themselves to be, you know, loving and supportive people like Bo certainly seems to be. Um, you know, I still think he's like a little bit of an actor, but they were definitely drunk. So, I mean, <laughs> fight. so many tears, so much confusion. These people all need to stop drinking. That, that is my wish for today. I make like a wish a day. So you make too many wishes, they don't come true. And that's uh, from The Secret. <laughs> no, it's not. I don't know where I came up with that. Kristen also talks about going barefoot places. And um, I believe it's Tom Schwartz calls it supermarket feet. If anyone has any intel on what supermarket feet means, <laughs> I would love to know because I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> supermarket feet it sounds disgusting because like who wants feet in a supermarket <laughs> i need to know i also love drunk ariana i would love to see more of her as much as i don't want i want everyone on this show to stop drinking she was cute she was so fun and it's nice to see like a lighter side of her as much as i appreciate her insights and really like respect her point of view on a lot of things. I recently heard her on Danny Pellegrino's podcast, Everything Iconic, and she actually was very enlightening. She talked about, you know, just how like certain storylines get totally cut, like how it seems really random that she and Kristen Doty are now friends, but actually they did film things that like explained how they gradually became friends. They just weren't shown. So it just goes to show sometimes Bravo is like a little more invested in one storyline than another. And then we have questions, but, and there are answers to those questions that are legitimate, but like, it makes people think like, oh, this seems so fake or weird or whatever. And actually like they are living their lives and things are being filmed and they're trying to show us that kind of stuff, but um, doesn't always make it onto our TV screens because they're too busy, you know, giving us scenes of Lisa Vanderpump making pasta in the kitchen of Tom Tom. I don't know why we needed that. 
Wow. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I hope everyone's enjoyed listening. Um, I will be back next week with more Bravo favorites and, uh, you know, just keeping up, keeping up with the Joneses, the current events, the instances of grave significance to all of us. Guys, I got, I got a summons or not a summons. I got a questionnaire for like a federal jury. Um, and I looked on their website and they had the funniest description on there when you like clicked on the juror section. It says, uh, for most people, the opportunity to serve in federal court comes but once in a lifetime. <laughs> that really made me laugh because they make it sound like a fairy tale. <laughs> they make it sound like so romantic, like, but once in a lifetime. Um, and I'm sure it's anything but, you know, so uh, if anyone has any experience with federal juries or grand juries or whatever, let me know. Get get at me. Um, thank you again for being here with me. Um, and uh, this has been mentioned at all. I will be back next week. Thanks.